welcome in. Thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast. It is Thursday. I know we normally record on Tuesdays, but a little bit of a special week here. We've had a little bit of something going around the... uh, studio here something Hippo- COVID as it's known as these oh, days oh I was going to say hippo laws prevent us from saying it but nah, apparently not those hippos they got big mouths man. <laughs> <laughs> it is Thursday September 15th I am Jared All joined by the one and only Tyler Walgy. crowd goes wild what's happening yeah they're happy to have a little change of pace because they know that uh, had, had Connor and Soaps been here this would have been a depressing show I, yes I just, that that's that's producer soaps. I, I love. I've got uh, producer soaps to say yes whenever I want him to. I don't know. Yes, I think he's got more of a no vibe. He does, today. but there's no nose there's on no here. No. He's very positive. Oh, <laughs> okay. So we need the Connor no because we know Connor would be yeah. just jumping, ready to jump off a cliff. That's that's kind of what I can feel. Exactly. Uh, actually, at one point in this during the the end of the Broncos game, and I can't even say that this was not how I felt too. Connor texts me. He goes, "This." Reminds me of Vance Joseph. Oh, God. Like, right? And that's, I'm like, oh, my God. You're totally right. Like, that's the level of incompetency that we saw at the end of that Broncos game. I got to put it out there. All our listeners out there heard me last week. I might have been a little overconfident. Might have just been just just a little bit overconfident. I thought there was no way that the Broncos don't come away with the win. And honestly, what we saw from that game, even as, as poorly as certain situations were handled... They, they still should have won that game. They still should have won that game as you came down to the end of it. A few, few fluky things along the way. And the worst clock management ever in yeah, the history. Horrible. We're just going to say in the history of the NFL. I'm not even going to you know put any disclaimers on that. That's the worst. You could have possibly managed that. And and it leads to the, to the Broncos getting a loss. Uh, that was tough. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to do what most of Broncos country has done so far and panic and overreact. Okay? No, no, no. It's one game. It's, 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 and you know, I, I, I am filling in today for, for uh, producer soaps. Connor's out. They'll both be, be back uh, next week, but you know, I'm interested to see what they have to say, but I think the tone is going to change because the buff or the buffs, we just did a, a CU podcast before. Yeah. This. You want to talk about a depressing <laughs> day of sports talk going from a CU buffs podcast to this Broncos podcast. Hey, but so. This is okay because the Broncos and we'll talk about it obviously, but you know, the Broncos are going to look good this week against uh, Houston. Things are going to get corrected. I, a lot of that negativity no, negativity is going to go out the window. But what we saw from Nathaniel Hackett was nothing short of laughable in a head coach's first opportunity. It looked like he was unprepared. looked like he was a deer in the headlights. And the thing that I was most concerned with, obviously, the in-game play, or, you know, not play calling, but uh, uh, the in-game decisions, but after the game, and he's talking about, you know, would you do it again? Uh, of course I'd do it again. Oh, what are you talking about? And he has since backpedaled a little bit uh, on that. Slightly. He, yeah. he, he's, he's turned around on the treadmill and done walking speed. He hasn't backpedaled. <laughs> he's like slowly walking backwards is what he's doing. But it's, it still seems like he's making excuses. I mean, that at least is what I'm picking up from it, is that he's saying, look, this is what we had. McManus told me, get it to the 46. I, it's what McManus well, said. Well, and let's just talk about that real quick. Honestly, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that decision. But there was a right way to do that. And a wrong way to do that. Nathaniel Hackett did it the wrong way. Okay, I don't know the exact did what time uh, how how he chose to kick the ball at the end mm. instead of putting the ball in Russell Wilson's hands fourth and five. He chose to kick it. I don't know the exact amount of time. I'm not going to go into exact numbers and details. But there was well enough time 
after that third down play, if you run your kicking team right out, if that's a decision you were going to make, you run them right out. You don't call a timeout. You don't do anything. You have your kicking team ready to go on third down. You don't get it. Your t- kicking team comes out. You kick that. You miss it. You have over a minute left in that game with three timeouts. You can then get three stops and have a chance with the ball back somewhere in the range of 10, 15, 20 seconds left. Still a long shot, but if you were going to do that, if kicking was what you were going to do, which it was pretty clear to me that the way that they handled that play where, again, just looking at it as as it was coming up to fourth down, Russ Wilson stayed out on the field along with the offense and waited all the way through the clock before they called that first time out. Yeah. So they knew that was the play they were going to do. They knew that's what they were no, going to th- do. Th- that's a good point. That's something a lot of people in Denver may have overlooked. It's like, look, if you are going to kick the field goal, there's still a the right way to do it. Hackett messed up every situation, right? It wasn't just like one or two mistakes. They all compounded on one another. And you're right. I mean, if, if your goal is to kick, that's fine. But leave yourself, they took a timeout, and they had two left, and you see he's trying to call the third timeout, he's arguing with the refs. At the ah, end of the game, left. calling them timeouts again, oh, that just, mm, well, you know what that, that is? doesn't eat at you, man. That's what you do on Madden, when you want to troll the other player, when you just got beat, <laughs> and you want to just try and piss the other player off a little bit more, and so, you know, you're losing, and you know, it's going to be a loss, so you just call timeouts, and maybe hit the pause screen, you're just trying to piss the other guy off. That's all Hackett was doing. He was just Madden trolling. I think he's played too much Madden, personally. So uh, my honest take on what we saw from Nathaniel Hackett is this is a coach that I think when this is his first opportunity as a head coach. He's a pretty young coach, hasn't actually had a ton of experience even as a coordinator or play caller. I look at a coach, me reading between the lines, that spent this entire offseason scheming an offense, Mm -hmm. trying to get the right pieces in place and really focusing on all of that, even with his coaches and what they were all doing and everyone's roles and what, what practices look like and what the games look like and did not spend nearly enough time, did not nearly do enough homework and put enough thought into how he will handle decision making on game day. That was obvious to me. The play calls were coming in late consistently on offense. I think he, you know, people want to, everyone's pointing back to, oh, the Broncos should have played guys in preseason. No. I still say they made the right decision with that. All of the penalties involved in this game, which by the way was 12 for 105 yards or something like that, 12 for 106 yards, that kills you. But you know what? You overcome all of that if you manage this game correctly. Um, how much do you think goes into actual uh, the, the hire of Hackett, right? Because you got a new coach who's never coached before, and now everyone is uh, getting on him, which rightfully so. I mean, it was egregious what he did, but should this be expected, right? Should we be giving him more of a leash because he's a first-time head coach uh, with this team? And, and I'm not saying necessarily that's what I think, but what do you, what, what do you believe? I, I don't necessarily say longer leash. I, I think, you know, he needs to, you know, it's, it's, the, uh, it's, a th- it's almost like the three-strike thing, right? Okay, you did this once. Okay, I'm not going to give you a pass by any means. You lost the game for the Broncos. I will say the coaching staff lost this game. The way he handled it at the end, in my mind, that is on Hackett and how he managed this game. There were some things along the way that could have changed it, you know, fumbling twice on the goal line. But I think if this happens, if this doesn't change and improve moving forward, now we have a major issue. I do think you need to look at this scenario and go, okay, first time he's done that, okay, 
Now put that behind you, man. You 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 have to learn from this. That's sort of where I am with it. I mean, I, look, I was the first one to say this guy's a moron. How can you not do more homework? How can you not prepare yourself more? Have people on your staff to help you with this sort of stuff. And the other concerning thing is that a lot of other coaching staffs. I heard this on a on a national radio show from an ex player, uh, uh, Ross Tucker, and he said every team he's ever been on, there have been multiple coaches that were not afraid to go up to the head coach and say, hey, 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 you can fire me if you want, but this is what I think we should do. This is not the right play. No one was willing to challenge the great Nathaniel Hackett, right? So are the Broncos set up with a good inner working of the... And that is a concern of mine. That was a concern when they started making hires with the staff. There is a lack of experience top to bottom. There isn't anyone on this staff that's that old wily veteran, maybe a former head coach, a guy that can be that person in the ear of Nathaniel Hackett at the end of the game going, hey coach, uh, if we get if we don't get this first down here on third, you got a minute 10 right. left. That's enough time for you to try the field goal and still call your timeouts. And even not, if not before that, when you're seeing the clock run and you, you got to sprint to that coach, go, what are we doing? Did call a timeout, you, call a timeout. You know, like there needs to be someone in his ear. At least that, what that shows me isn't necessarily, I don't want to take the blame off of Hackett, but I want to magnify that maybe it's a, maybe it's more of a inner workings with the coaching staff. There is no, there's you don't not want that, a bunch of yes men, right? That, uh, yeah, exactly. There's not that sort of uh, environment within the coaching staff. So that is one thing that, you know, but those uh, back to the, the fumbles on goal line, which is what I wanted to mention. Yes. Um, I usually stay as far away from criticizing play calling as possible because these coaches in the NFL and even college football, they know so much more about football than we could ever know. You know, well, unless we dedicated our lives to it, right? But there's a there's a flow to calling plays. There there's usually a strict protocol with with plays you've called and plays you're going to do in, in in the future and game plan things to execute, right? So it's not as easy as just oh, why'd they call a draw there? Why'd they call a screen pass there? That's what's easy for the fan to criticize. I usually don't do that, right? Ninety five percent of the time, I don't do that. I think it's warranted in this situation because twice Nathaniel Hackett called a goal, a shotgun play from the one yard line. And not only that, but gave Russell Wilson the ability to switch plays in audible with that crowd. And again, the ex players that I listen to, not me saying, Hey, there's what we went on in high school football from the ex NFL players. They say it's unheard of that on a road in a road game like that where the atmosphere is so crazy and you know it's crazy this didn't come out of nowhere you don't send your quarterback whether it's Tom Brady, Russell Wilson or Joe Burrow, right? You don't send your quarterback to the line willing to audible from a shotgun set where your line can't hear, your receivers can't hear, you no one can hear you changing the play. As a matter of fact, I think one of the color or one of the guards for the uh, Broncos thought it was a running play still or thought it was a passing play still. Drop back in pass coverage when Javante Williams fumbled the ball. So that's on Hackett. Like, like, that's not on the uh, Javante Williams for fumbling at the one. It's not like, hey, they should have scored. No, that's on the coach for putting them in a good spot to succeed, which he didn't do not once, but twice on the goal line. So, you know, people want to point fingers and say you can't fumble the ball. I put all that on Coach Hackett as well. He had a terrible game as head coach. One of the worst games I've ever seen, ever seen coached, right? Uh, so so that that is right, my feeling on it. I think it was all on him. I think that we should look at Hackett, point, laugh, make fun of him. It was bad but then again he's a, it was his first game ever so we've we've got that out there okay right i don't do we do we need to keep beating that that uh or what what is it feed we, do you need to keep feeding the fed horse I tyler mean, we're gonna be politically correct here but to be honest like 
I kind of want to because I'm so upset with the guy. Like, you know, so I want to take a step back from that real quick before we move off to that, though, at, at the very end of I didn't. Do you do you typically watch the Manning cast for Monday night games? Well, uh, yes, but I didn't for the Broncos game because I wanted to focus on the Broncos. Yeah, that's why like, I, I find I, it's a fun thing. I like to watch it for a little bit, but I actually feel it does add to a game when you have an announcer, you know, actually giving play-by-play announcing right. of a game versus it kind of feels like you're at a bar with a bunch of buddies when you're listening to the Manny cast, which is fun, but have you seen, Tyler, the clip of that last yeah, minute yes. there of Peyton Manning where he is losing his mind? Like, yes. yeah, call a timeout. What, what am I not seeing here? What's going on? Why are they not calling a timeout? What are we, you know, it was so obvious to him, and, and you could just imagine a guy like that, and it kind of goes back to what you're saying with how are the rest of the coaches on the sidelines not going, coach, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Call a time out coach you got to make this play so i just wanted to touch on that because it's actually pretty funny if you guys have it if all of any listeners out there if you didn't watch the manning cast go back and watch peyton manning's reaction it was probably similar to what all of us were doing on our couches at home going what are they doing why aren't they calling a timeout why are they letting the clock go down what are they what, what's, what's the plan here what's going on you know so it just it, it was a mockery i think we've i think we've said what we need to say on that i want to take a step back from that because honestly what most Broncos fans right now are missing is the amount of optimism you should have coming out of that game. Russ was cooking yeah. in that game. They they were getting the calls in late, not putting him necessarily in a great situation, not giving them the ability with the crowd noise necessarily to make the changes he needed to at the line, yet he puts up over 300 yards, very efficient night. There was... Uh, it's over-under, by the way. I think it was like 225 yes, passing. Uh, 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 a draw, uh, uh, two, two separate touchdowns where the one, uh, the, the tight end Sobert, you know, has it. Oh. It was a tough one. But, I mean, he put that on the spot, running to his left. Great throw. There was another one earlier in the game where the guy just couldn't get his feet down. There's two touchdowns there you could have had. There's the two touchdowns at the goal. I mean, you take away some of these fluky plays, and I'm going to say that. Those touchdowns, those fumbles, on the goal line that's fluky the odds of you fumbling twice from the one yard line is astronomical but, but as i said earlier and i don't want to highlight too much on the the shotgun things like that but i'd like to know the percentage of shotgun plays that are fumbled compared to not i'm sure it's both under five percent but you're not putting your guys in a good position when you're calling those horrible you know calls but i see what you're saying we were close to a lot of the expected points for the broncos was way higher than yes. what they had and defensively they struggled early. Struggled in that first half. Great Seattle drove half right down there. No points allowed in the, in the second half. I mean, if you'd have told me at halftime that the Broncos would not allow any points in the second half, I mean, come on, right. you, you knew they would. By the way, it was seventeen thirteen at halftime. Right. And the Broncos lose seventeen sixteen. So there is so much optimism to have in this game. Clean up some of the things. I think. I think the onus is on Nathaniel Hackett to go back to the drawing board. Realize the things that maybe he didn't put enough time into this offseason and really know. Know going into these situations how he's going to handle it. How are you going to get those play calls in faster to this offense? Putting them in a better situation. How are you going to handle end of game situations with timeouts? Maybe he'll, you know, what I think you should do, what a lot of coaches do, is assign a coach on your staff to be the, the, the person in your ear. You're a play caller. You're focused on a lot of different things as the game's going on. You need that coach to come up in your ear and go, okay, we're coming up on this situation. You're going to be up to a minute here. When we get there, here's what I think we should do. What, you know, Where are we at? What are we thinking, coach? So that he's aware of it as he goes into it and everything there. So I feel very optimistic coming out of this game with what the Broncos 
team looks like. Yeah. The 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 offense compared to what we have seen the last few years. So much better. It's going to be so much better. Yeah, I've got a couple thoughts on that. So everyone criticizing the Broncos and saying, you know, that uh, they, they're worried, they're concerned. Is Russell Wilson really it? Stop. Just just, just stop. The, the Broncos are going to be just fine. And I will make the argument that this actually maybe the best thing that could have happened to the Broncos because you got Russell Wilson pissed off. You got this whole team pissed off. Uh, they're going to have a lot to prove, not just this next week, but at the end of the season Russ now than ever wants to look back at Seattle and say, "Hey, I know we lost that game, but we're in the play- we're in the AFC Championship. They didn't make the playoffs. That is going to be vindication for Russ this season." So, in a weird way, may not have been the the wake up call the Broncos needed. Let's say let's say McManus makes that kick and they win. Maybe they're a little you know lax with this stuff. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett's complete oversight of so many things goes overlooked. So, may not have been the worst thing ever. I will say this though, Russell Wilson. Past the, the the test of flying colors, I'm very excited to have him as our quarterback. I don't think the recipe to winning is having him throw 42 times a game. You know, I just don't think that's the case. No, and 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 honestly, Javante Williams and actually Melvin Gordon as well looked good when they were running the ball. I I I think honestly, I liked the what I saw from this offense. The way they were using, it, I thought it was strange early on. I mean, it was two or three drives before they even targeted a wide receiver. I mean, that's what everyone talked about is this wide receiver core. And it went to tight ends and running backs and short, quick, easy plays, a lot of rollouts. I liked what I saw in the creativity of this offense. I just, I'm excited for that and the different things that they can do. Uh, I agree. Russell Wilson throwing the ball 40 times a game, not necessarily your, your road to success. I think if they can lean more on the running game, but but frankly, I think the way that the game played out, sure. it made sense for them to do that. No, so. for, I just don't want to see a habit of that 42 pass 50 passes, 45, 55. I think you got to get these guys a little more involved. But if that is what this Broncos offense is, that's fine. There's a lot of different ways to do things, and those short passes can be an extension of the run game. That's okay, but... uh yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a high number for me. So, so Tyler, we're playing a little shorthanded today, so I'm just going to openly admit to the audience I yes. missed my opportunity. Connor's so good <laughs> with with the with with sneaking in his stat of the week when it comes. I missed my opportunity for it, but I can't let it pass by. Right. So we're going to like backpedal what I just told. We weren't going to go back and talk again. Uh-huh. Is about is about the kicking at the end of the game. So we're gonna we're gonna enter this into our stat of the week here. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. So since 1960, okay, NFL kickers are just two <laughs> for 42 on kicks of 64 yards or more, which is 4.8% efficiency. Okay. So when you're lining up a kicker, even one of the best kickers in the league, one of the biggest legs in the league in Brandon McManus, you have a 4.8% chance of making that field goal. Just last season, 2021, NFL teams who went for it on exactly fourth and five, what the Broncos had, fourth and five, converted 22 out of 45 times, or in other words, a 49% efficiency rating. Uh, You know, I mean, again, we get it. Everybody around the country knows this was the worst decision you could have ever made. He's still standing behind that he believes the kicking of the ball was the right thing to do with Nathaniel Hackett. I urge you, I implore you to rethink that, Nathaniel Hackett. You just it just looks traded. It, it looks dumb when he says that. Everything for Russell Wilson. You traded your future for Russell Wilson. You signed him to one of the biggest contracts in NFL history. Put the ball in his hands. 
and let him go to win the game or live with it if he loses. 100%. Don't put it on the kicker. Man. Yeah, uh, Connor did send some of those uh, numbers, which was uh, uh, telling. Yeah, McManus himself is one for five in uh, sixty plus yards in his career. So, uh, and then you had the stat there: two for forty-one all time from sixty-four. So, anyway, um, not Insane. good. I did pull the audio of the last uh, minute or so on the Manning cast. And uh, this was uh, Shannon Sharp joining Peyton Manning and Eli Manning as the Broncos were flubbing the last minute uh, plus. Oh, oh. yes. A good play. Big now miss. We got, now, now, Big we, miss. now we got fourth and five. Fourth and five is doable. We got three timeouts. I might use one right here. E. Let's use Good one. Out. Let's talk about this one. Let's talk about this one. And the whole time, guys, he's just sitting there doing the quarterback team. Might try to draw him off sides, E. You don't have that much time. Snap count. Well, you don't want to waste that much time, I don't think. Yeah. I think we I think we should call timeout. Like now. <laughs> well, 30, 30, 29, 28. They look, look unsettled. Sutton just the confusion in the voice of both Peyton and Eli. They cannot figure out what he's doing. Timeout, time timeout, timeout. What the? So you just burned thirty seconds to call a timeout. Right there, live. So you just burned thirty seconds to call a timeout. That was Shannon Sharp's initial reaction. That was everyone. That was every fourteen-year-old on Twitter. Every person in the in the in the retirement home. You know, everyone watching. I don't know anyone who was like, okay, this is normal. This is normal. The one thing that I will say, and, and we'll just we'll kind of wrap up the the recap on this is, I hope. That this is not a situation where Nathaniel Hackett thinks he can outsmart everyone and all the analytics and everything, and and, and there's no ego or anything like that involved in this and in, in why he feels like this was the right thing. Because that's the type of thing a guy that that is not willing to listen to logic and reason says. And and Nathaniel Hackett prior to this has never struck me as that guy. Right. Um, well, we are going to learn who he is in crisis. Right. This is this is how everyone is. Everyone from coworkers to individuals we meet to acquaintances to, to, to football coaches, everyone, most people in the world are good when everything's going good, right? It's, it's really tough to be a really crappy person when everything's amazing. It's when the, t- when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Right? That's the old phrase. There's, there, there's something to that. So when things go poorly, you see who people are, you see who coworkers are, you see who people in relationships are, and you see who head coaches are. And unfortunately, I'm not seeing everything that I want to say, oh yeah, that's that's my coach right there. That's that's the right hire. You know, it's it's just not. Now, maybe he's learning and he's not going to be like that in, in six months, but that to me is more of a personality thing than a head coach, you know, football thing, right? It's you gotta admit when you're wrong. Yeah. Learn from your mistakes. You know, regardless, if you wanna if you want to continue to try to save face with the media and and say you feel like you made the right decision fine next time it comes around don't make that decision again just just don't don't make that decision. i think it's again. also disingenuous like if it's something so if it's something subtle like like a, a missed assignment or a, you know something like that i could see him going look you guys look mr denver post writer mr scientist you know you got this all wrong this is something the entire world was laughing at him for and I know you said he backpedaled a little bit, but it, overwhelmingly his sentiment is, no, no, that's what we wanted. We'd everything yeah, fine. Yeah, and let me, fine. Let me clarify on that. The only thing he's backpedaled on is that he shouldn't have let all the time run off right. before kicking the field. He's that's just, the he's only saying, thing he's backpedaled Nothing to look at here. Nothing to look at. Let's keep moving along. Move along, sir. 
All right. Optimism, though. Optimism. This is going to be a very, very fun football team to watch this year. That is the first time we've been able to say that since going back to the 2015 Super Bowl year, right? I mean, where you felt actually like this was a fun team to watch. 16 points is going to be a low number (laughs) for what this team is going to put in week in and week out. And I will give it to Seattle and to that fan base for the way they showed up. They played, a, they played a solid football game. They took advantage of the opportunities that were in front of them, and they won a game. So yeah. that's something that I will try to be. I will. I will. My commitment to you, our listeners, is I will try to be better. I will try not to. Wow. I will what try not to what look at this Houston Texans team and think the same thing, although it is a little bit. Yeah, a little bit different little at bit, home. Way bit. different. Way okay. different. But before we get to that, yes. I want to I kind of break up. We're obviously very Broncos no, heavy. Jerry, we've been doing so well. I so want to. I want to hold off. We're going to talk the Texans preview to end the show here today. Okay. Before we get to that, I want to kind of continue on with some of the overreactions you know that's well, what you get one overreaction might be the market the broncos went from 12 to 1 to win the super bowl they are now 22 to 1 Ooh. yeah so that's almost double based I on one close we loss. may want to all get on and this that. is what Just i always say about sports betting. 10 bucks on it right how, how well maybe yeah how the perception changes after one thing and a lot of people will say oh yeah they suck they should know it's like if that make manis kick is three feet to the right and that goes in the Broncos are probably still twelve to one, if not better, not right? Better, so, right. so the kick goes three feet to the left, another twenty-two to one. That's how you find a little bit of, of value potentially on a team that might be better than people think. So, all right, we're gonna actually go around the NFL and talk some of the overreactions I have seen and heard, and I want you to buy or sell. We're both gonna buy or sell on whether we think that these overreactions are warranted. Okay, so we're gonna start with the Dallas. Cowboys. Dak Prescott obviously goes down. He's out for a while. I think it I don't know if it's defined, but throwing hand, surgery, not good. That is a team that looked really bad even with Dak on the field uh, um, last week. So buy or sell, the Dallas Cowboys ending up with a top 10 pick in the NFL draft next year. Uh, top 10 pick? Boy, that's a tough one. I was going to say they, they do miss the playoffs. Um, I am going to say, I'll, I'll go for it, yeah. Uh, even though Jerry likes to keep things typically pretty even there when, when it's going bad, he still likes to win six, seven games a year. But, you know, Dallas, this was a really strange year for them anyway because last year, Dallas went all out. They went over the cap, they paid the luxury tax, they, they paid a lot of players. And then this season, a lot of financial decisions, right? Uh, they get rid of Amari Cooper, a lot of, a lot of signings, a lot of undercut signings. So, Dallas had a situation this year that it had to go perfect for them, in my opinion, to win the division and repeat the success that we've seen or that we saw last year with them. So I was already low on the on Dallas. You you, you add to that they lose Dak. Um, look, bottom ten seems bad, but there's only thirty you know thirty two teams in the league. Yeah, so. it's bottom third basically, right? Yeah, yeah. So I will say, yeah, they just narrowly go bottom ten. Yeah, I I think they so easily end up. I'm, I'm going to buy this hard. I, I look oh, at this Dallas Cowboys mm. team, and it's very eerily similar to what we've seen from the Packers for the last few years, where they are one hundred percent reliant upon that quarterback. Now Dak Prescott is out for a while. He just had surgery this weekend on that throwing hand thumb. That's not going to be an injury that's just going to go away. He's not just going to step back on the field midseason and be 100%. I think that lingers. He may end up missing more time than you think. I think this but team also, is going to be a dumpster fire. Let's say team. he does miss. Uh, how, how long does it expect? Two months? Yeah, about two months. So yeah. let's say he does miss uh, the first, let's just say eight games, 
and and they go three and five. They may not want to bring him back this year, right? Or at sure. least nurse him back I a little think, slower than I think three and five is probably a stretch yeah. to go. Uh, they're already missing uh, uh, Michael Gallup out on the outside. They let Amari Cooper go this offseason. They are thin. That offense is not going to be the same. I am buying the Cowboys with a top 10 pick. All right. The San Francisco 49ers should bench Trey Lance and put Jimmy G. Back in there at the starting lineup and roll with Jimmy G this year. Buy yourself. Yeah, total buy. I mean, Trey Lance, we know at this point, this is 2022. It doesn't take three. Remember the old days where it's like, hey, quarterback needs three seasons. He needs one season learning, another one getting a little time, and then his third season, he'll be ready to go. That is long gone, okay? Players are coming out of college pre-packaged, pre-washed, ready to go, okay? That is not what Trey Lance is. He barely played in college. No one knew what he could do except for the fact that he was 6'4 and could throw a football like 60 yards, like 70 yards. So he was the one quarterback coming out the last decade with the most question marks. Now, Kyle Shanahan, a little egotistical move maybe, thought he could get him, even though I've heard behind the scenes he wanted Mac Jones. That's probably for a different debate, different show. Uh, he looks horrible. He does not look comfortable, does not look ready to go. And there's a difference between a lot of these rookies who come in and maybe a little rust. And then Trey Lance, who's been in the same system now for a year and a half and had a lot of time to learn. Uh, I don't I don't buy it at or I don't buy him at all. Therefore, I do buy benching him, playing Jimmy G. This is exactly why they kept Jimmy G. And uh, they got to do Tyler, you're missing everything from week one and why Trey Lance looks so bad. Did you see the field conditions? At, nope. at Soldier Field, wrong. They were wrong. underwater. It doesn't matter. This is a team that that game was so fluky. Both of those teams, what you saw from Chicago, what you saw from San Francisco, is not an indication of what those teams are going to be this year. They completely changed up the game plan once they saw the conditions. Trey Lance has the upside that this team needs. He's an athlete. I Jimmy G. Frankly, if Jimmy G. was not a washed up. Below average quarterback, I, I'm all for put the veteran back in. But Jimmy G has never, never been the guy. Even when he went to the Super Bowl, they carried him to the Super Bowl. Okay, Jimmy G I mean, is not, never has he's been. 30, he's 33 and 14 as a starter. I think you have to be because he's been on great teams. Oh come on, we we, we can agree that it's a in the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win half your games. Oh, I I think if you have a solid, you are, were you were you? I know legal cannabis is is uh, it's it's now obviously legal in Colorado. You weren't partaking before the show. No, were I you? think maybe we need to get into it though. What I, is I mean, wrong? You no, can't no, honestly if, think that, that, that. Look, look, if you right now could make a billion dollars, okay? If the if if you make a billion dollars. If the 49ers, you know, win a certain amount of games or whatever, you would pick Trey Lance to start over Jimmy G. Yes, because to me, Jimmy You're, G is on the. I think that is the silliest thing you've said is, since I've known you. No, that Jimmy is the G is on the, thing I've the ever Teddy Bridgewater level. He is on the oh the, the Geno Smith. I mean, that is the I caliber would, of quarterback that G, that Jimmy G is. Okay, I I I venomously disagree with that, but also I would rather have those quarterbacks than Trey Lance. Okay, so you're just so, you're low on Trey Lance, but I'm also higher than normal people because I think th- see, Jared. This is the issue with people, okay? I, I I don't wanna take the route of sports betting, but I think that a lot of people lose in sports betting because they have that mentality of, oh, he sucks. So they, they they think someone's either elite or they suck. Not understanding how much middle ground usually applies to most quarterbacks in the NFL in a given season. 
Jimmy G does not suck. Jimmy G is not a bottom dweller. Jimmy G, right now, in any quarterback rankings, if you don't have him between 15 and 25, you're out of your mind. But 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 tell me, do you have Trey Lance below that? Trey Lance is probably 40 to 50. Really? He See, is, I think you got both guys in that I think 20 Trey Lance to 25 is range. is a below average backup. I oh, think Trey wow. Lance, yeah, no, no, no. Okay, we so are so this is where you and I are very different. On Trey I, Lance. I, watch out. What I will tell you is, watch out. By the end of this season, people are going to be talking about Trey Lance as that next up-and-coming guy. Watch <laughs> How do it. we bet on this? How do we bet on this? Uh, like, we've got to get some kind of bet down because Trey Lance is a joke. He's a bust. He's going to be gone before I'll you know make, it. I, I'll make the same bet with you that I made with, with, with Connor and Soaps on Baker Mayfield that I will say he will be, and I'm going to say, top 20 quarterback within the league. He will be a top 20 quarterback according to Pro Football Focus by the end of the season. 500 bucks? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's pump the brakes. Some of us are self-employed. We don't make the money that you do, Tyler. Okay. Hey, what okay? You, I'm thinking like a, I was thinking like some pizza money betting here. Jeez, man. I will do a that pizza. just throws out 500 bucks like it's just. Let's, let's do a, let's do a, let's like what? Like, like, My heart's racing now, man. I don't know how you live like this, Tyler. I really don't. I, mean, I think about that a lot. I want you to know that, Tyler. I think about that. When I'm making my $10 and $20 bets on the weekend and I am losing it. I'll just put this out there for the audience. I had a money line bet. Just a $20 money line bet that I took on the Bengals when they were down big in that game. And I. Against Pittsburgh. Against Pittsburgh, yeah. right? And anyone who watched that game, there was the blocked extra point, there was the missed field goal in overtime. My heart, like, I couldn't bear, I was sick to my stomach over $20. How you make a living off of this, Tyler? And you've told me sometimes, and your 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 ups and downs, that's what sports betting is. You're not going to win all your bets. You have some ups and yeah, downs. Yeah, the, the, the accounts go up and down, but that's one thing I learned early doing this. I've been doing it for six years now, and I would say it took a good 24 months for me to not get up with the wins, get down with the losses, because it can affect you if, you've really, if you really, you know, buy in and, and it's like, oh my God, look at the money. Look at this game. This, remember the Saints uh, Vikings game a yeah. couple years ago where uh, what happened? It, it was it, a it bad been, passer or no, a non-passer yeah, interference exactly. call. It should have been the passer interference call. That up to that point was the biggest game I'd ever made in my life Ooh. and I lost it. And I just remember waking up the next morning with that feeling in your stomach and it's just like, oh no, like did that really happen? <laughs> so it kind of has to get beaten into you. Now, luckily, I do have the, the the plus EV in every bet I make, and the trajectory is always you know going up. But there are some you, you can't get too down with the losses. It is tough, man. But uh, so so uh, pizza. We're doing a pizza, pizza for, for for Trey Lance being a top twenty quarterback. In okay. what rating? Like what, what uh, are we going to do? Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus oh, quarterback. This is going to be okay. Yeah, I love that. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, another guy. This guy had a. Big weekend, and I'm pulling up his stats right now because I want to say it before we even make our picks. Justin Jefferson, this weekend, if my my phone, those those phones, those devices, uh, nine receptions, 184 yards in this game, two touchdowns, dominated this game. Like we, you know, as dominant as we've seen a receiver performance in some time. Will Justin Jefferson win the NFL MVP? No, that's silly. Silly? Totally yeah. silly? Well... I think that, uh, and this, this, so you may think this is silly. If he has that kind of a year, I think Kirk Cousins may get some looks at MVP. Sure. It's a, it's a quarterback tro, you know, trophy. It typically has been. Um, he would have to have such an amazing season, Justin Jefferson, to get that award. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it's probably going to go to a quarterback. And if that was the case, maybe more Kirk the jerk. Even though I think that's pretty wild itself. But uh, yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm going to sell as well. But I don't think it's as far fetched as you're you're making it because I do think he has a monster year. I think that the the change in coaching staff for the Vikings, going to an offensive minded guy, 
that gets it. And and, and I think it's Kevin O'Connell. I might be wrong on that name. KOC is what you always okay. see him referred to as. But the creativity he used with that offense, I, I really think that this is a team in the Vikings that has been undercoached for several years, and they were a better team than what we've seen on the field for the last three or four years. And Justin Jefferson is a bona fide superstar. Yeah. So I think he does put up near record-setting offensive numbers for receivers this year. I think we're talking about the type of year that Cooper Cup had last year, that Calvin Johnson had at, towards the end of his career, where we're where we're on that brink of 2,000 yards, you know, where we're putting up crazy stats. And when a receiver puts up crazy stats like that, he at least needs to be in the conversation. I think you're probably right. He finishes maybe third or fourth in the voting, but I think he gets some votes, and I think he's in the discussion. While he may not win it, I think he's in that discussion. Okay, okay? fair enough. Sp- Speaking of the Minnesota Vikings, you can probably guess where I may be going with this one. The Minnesota Vikings look good. They dominated the Packers. I gave them out on my weekend. podcast. Okay. I listen to Sports Betting Daily. I give out picks every weekend. We had Minnesota plus one and a half. And, uh, and we put them in a couple teasers. So. Perfect. There you go. Will they be the number one seed in the NFC this year? In the playoffs, for the playoffs. Number one seed, buy or sell? Um, hmm. It took me looking at the NFC so a little I'm not, bit. I'm not a big fan of the Bucks this year. You know, uh, New Orleans is interesting. Actually, Atlanta's interesting. But I, in terms of winning the number one seed, no. And then you look at the East. I mean, Minnesota's got to be up there right now, right? I'll, 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 but buy it means like a 50-50 proposition, right? And sure. And say you're buying it. Um because I think it's I don't think it's going out enough on a limb to say they'll win their division. I I don't think that's that much of a stretch. I think it is a little bit of a stretch to say they'll be the number one seed. And you keep thinking about it. I'll give you my reasoning behind mm-hmm. it. To me, it's a they're gonna be the number one seed by default. Because I do think this is a good team. I think their offense is gonna be much more potent than what we've seen in years past. And when you look across the NFC, who else in their division? Is it going to be the Packers? I don't see the Packers being that team that challenges in there. You, you, you mentioned the, the the East there. The Eagles? Right. Do we really believe the Eagles are the best team in the NFC? Well, the Eagles I, are, no, not in the NFC. That's where it comes down. The NFC's not great. And that's where I think by default, I am going to buy mm. the Vikings as my right now overreacting to week one. Yeah. What I saw, <laughs> yeah. Vikings are the best team in the NFC. I will buy them as the number one seed. Current odds to win the division. Minnesota, even money. Green Bay Packers plus one twenty five, Detroit Lions eight to one, Chicago Bears twelve to one. Conference winners, uh, let's see here. NFC conference winner, just a second. Okay, um, Tampa Bay plus two seventy five. Green, so they theoretically would be the favorite still. Tampa based on the odds. Uh, Tampa Bay plus two seventy five. Green Bay plus five fifty. L A Rams plus five fifty. Philadelphia six to one. Minnesota eight to one. That's interesting to, to win that the conference. they have the the Packers ahead of them to win the conference, but behind them to win the division. So, I mean, they're putting emphasis on quarterback here, yeah. right? Because quarterback wins in the, in, the, in the playoffs, and if Green Bay gets there, they probably have a uh, higher chance to go. Plus, you have to think about this. Green Bay is working in a lot of younger pl- receivers, younger offensive linemen, uh, it's going to take Aaron Rodgers a little bit to get everyone on the same page. Dude, Aaron Al- Rodgers may quit after week four. He may <laughs> just walk away. I'm done. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> Injuries. Alan Lazard, I think, was even questionable going into this week. And so, you know, uh, for where teams are right now, Green Bay's got a lot of improvement. They've got a long ways to go compared to their p- potential. And we may have seen Minnesota at, you know, their their best, if not what they could look like. Uh, so for a lot of reasons, I mean, I'm probably actually going to go no 
I'm not buying it because there's too many other things that can happen, but I think they're a lot better than people thought. Sure, absolutely. I think everyone was ready to write them off again. Okay, a couple more here before we move on. Miami Dolphins, another team that looked good this weekend. I'm not going to go out as far on a limb with them. I'm going to say buy or sell the Dolphins make the playoffs. Oh, God, these are pretty good. You you, you came up with some good ones here. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, they've... I, I don't think it's an overreaction to them beating the Patriots. I don't think it's an overreaction to say, yeah, well, they loaded up on receivers. How far is that going to take? You know, as long as, as Tua has a good year and this defense can get to the quarterback, this is probably a playoff team. Plus, they have the advantage of, I mean, home field in Miami is so much bigger when they have a, a decent team because you go down there, you're hot, it's sweaty. It's so much you know, more of a deal. They're, that's why the Patriots went down on Tuesday of last week and still scored a touchdown. And within that division, it really is an advantage because all three of the other teams within that division are Upper East Coast. So that exactly. is a, a travel for them to make yeah, those divisions. I'll buy it. I'll say Miami makes playoffs. I'm in. I am going to use my exact opposite thought process with Minnesota <laughs> to sell the Dolphins. The AFC is stacked. I just don't see a way they make it in. The Bills are going to win that division. There are too many good teams in the AFC West. And throughout the rest of the AFC, I just don't see the Dolphins winning as a wild card making it in there. I'm going to sell on the Dolphins. All right. Sell, sell, sell. Okay. Last one. Both Super Bowl teams, so this is the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals, will miss the playoffs. Hmm. <laughs> it's pretty common for one of the two, typically the Super Bowl losing team, to miss no. the playoffs. I'm going to go no. no you're going to yeah, sell? Yeah, I, 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 this may be square. But I just think they're both too good. I think that if anything, the Rams got a wake up call week one. They're gonna look. They're a play on team the next couple of weeks for me. And the Bengals, uh, I think we oversold them last year in terms of how good they are. But this, they've got a lot better, right? I think that that what that fan base needed was exactly what happened because ownership thought, oh, we're right there. Even though a lot of analytics people may say they weren't right there, got a couple of lucky playoff wins. Uh, so they made the changes on offensive line to protect Joe Burrow this year. And kind of like Green Bay, so many new faces with Cincinnati, it's going to take them longer to get going. So I'm going to say, no, I actually like the Rams and the Bengals right now, leaning both of them to probably get back there. Certainly, I think the Rams will. I am going to buy on this one, okay? I, what you just said about the Bengals, I think you just kind of laid it out. Analytically speaking, this team way overperformed last year. I, I think they they come back to earth a little bit. Joe, Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. He's going to be a star. And this remember, league. last year, the Bengals, they were underdogs in every game but one. This year, they're favorites in every game but exactly. one. Exactly. And Joe Burrow, to me, reminds me a lot of Brett Favre. He's a gunslinger. He's going to make some great plays, but he's also going to do what he did this last weekend. Throw, what, four, five interceptions, whatever it was. He's going to have those days. I think they lose too many games along the way, especially losing one early in the division. That hurts you. And as far as the Rams go, I seem to be this o the only person that like never bought into the Rams all the way through all of it, and they obviously went and won the Super Bowl, <laughs> so I was wrong, clearly. But to me, th that was like a stars aligning. They had all the right pieces in place. They had the Von Miller playing so well in the play. You know, so many of those pieces that they added were great. They're missing Vaughn now. They're missing Odell Beckham Jr. I just feel like that maybe that the, uh, you know, that midnight has struck on this team and, and, and Cinderella's slipper is fading away. You know, I, I just think with when it comes to the Rams, they really, really maximized everything coming together last year. I think that they take a step back this year. And, and again, in a division that's very competitive, I know it didn't look that way this weekend. 
San Francisco didn't look great. Arizona got their doors blown in by, by Kansas City. But I do think those are both good teams. I think it's going to be hard for the Rams to even win in their division. I, I like them to miss the playoffs as well. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to what I thought about San Fran. They're going to be a dumpster fire this year unless they get Jimmy G in. So I, I, I'm selling on them. And there's just not enough good teams in the NFC. So for that reason, I think the Rams get to nine wins. I do have concern about their pass rush. You know, Von Miller's a big piece to replace, and they, they're not going to be able to do that. But uh, Sean McVay, don't undersell him. He's one of the best coaches in the league. I think they'll make the playoffs. First time ever in his career, he's been below 500. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to transition from that. We're going to keep keep on to the, the, the betting feel here, okay? We've been kind of talking a lot of over-unders, a lot of buy-sells. We're going to move on to our best bet of the week, brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. As sports betting continues to go all across the country, more and more people are learning about player prop bets. If you haven't started betting on player props, it is a whole different avenue to get into a sports betting that is so much fun. It's just a different way to look at the game. It kind of, to me, pairs fantasy football with sports betting. where yeah. you, You're kind of betting on guys' production or lack of production, which is something that I think is a lot of fun to do. Thrive Fantasy is one of the more unique platforms. It allows you to bet parlays on player props, which is a ton of fun, especially this was my first time being uh, on Thrive Fantasy during the NFL football season, right? I, I I joined them last year on your advice, Tyler, Before even before they came up with a sponsor for us here and really had some fun through the NBA playoffs, through the NHL, but you're kind of limited on your games going on. You get an NFL Sunday, man. A lot the, the, of stuff. A, a lot of endless, action. Endless action. Had a ton of fun with that. If you haven't gotten on there already, now is the perfect time to do it. You can use our promo code RED. That's R-E-D. You use that promo code when you sign up. They will match up to $100 on your deposit. Free $100 in your pocket when you deposit $100. Use our promo code RED. That's R-E-D. So Tyler, last week, each of us, Connor, Soaps, and myself, gave out our best bet. I'm going to run through those real quick before we give our bets for this week. So Nick Sopris started out 1-0 on the year. He took Jalen Waddle over 57 and a half yards. Jalen Waddle ends with 69 nice. yards. A big hit for Nick Sopris. He's 1-0 and on the year. What did Connor do? Connor, Connor made one of the biggest mistakes you can make in oh, no. Okay, and you, I need you to back me on this. He made it personal. Okay, He uh, knows my affinity uh. for Baker Mayfield, so he went out of his way to take the under on Baker Mayfield on his passing yards at 219 and a half passing yards. Baker Mayfield ends the day 235 passing <laughs> yards, baby. Connor loses the bet. That's why you don't make it personal. And the crowd goes the crazy crowd's for Connor losing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. So Connor goes 0 and 1. I went with Trey Lance, my boy. Apparently, I have some boys on this this podcast now Mm -hmm. that I just got to stand behind. Uh, I took the rushing yards. To me, this was... you have you have cautioned me on this before. Never say it's an easy bet. Never say that was a gimme. But man, it was. I think well, when, when you can't throw the football and all you can do is run to get yards, of course Trey Lance is going to do right? that. Right? Which, Wasn't by the way, kind of obvious. I want to talk about our bet real quick. Uh, that pro football focus rating. That's the quarterback passing rating, right? That's not everything yes, baked yes, in yes, like with yeah, rushing no, too. Yeah, That's yeah, a passing yeah, rating. Passing okay. rating. Passing okay. rating. Um, Thirty-six and a half was the over and under. I mean, come on. 
That that just screamed bet me, right? He ends the game with 54 rushing yards. He actually hit the over in yeah. the first half. Jared, when you're such an incompetent passer and all you do is tuck and run because the play's moving too fast for you to, to interpret, you're going to get a lot hey, of rushing. The yards. line makers didn't see it the same way, okay? <laughs> they didn't see the same way. No, I hit right. big yeah, on that. Bet. I'm 1 0. Nick Soper's 1 0. Connor, bringing up the caboose here. And the crowd again. The crowd just loves it. The crowd (laughs) just loves it. Now, we kind of talked last week that there's going to be, we're not going to give a reward to who gets first place at the end of the year on this. We're going to give a punishment Mm, for who gets last. I like it. Connor found the perfect punishment. What is it? I think he mentioned it on the show last week. It may have been off air, though. There is a bag of chips, and I'm not going to scroll through my text because it's too far back from Connor, but there is a bag. It's one chip. It's a single hot chip. It's like $9 for the one chip. So that is the loser on air is going to have to eat this chip, okay? Ooh. And we may have to do a little video of it too, put that out on social media I would media do that well. at the end of the show because they're not going to be able to talk <laughs> for done, a while. Yeah. Done, right? So that will be the punishment. <laughs> so Connor, Nick, I hope you're listening out there. Understand, come to play with these picks week after week because it's going to be important not to be the one lagging. So, so I'm not picking for anyone with those oh, by the way, no, right? No you're, no, you're in this too. Oh We're going off a percentage. So so Tyler, you're on the show enough. You're going to be in this as well. Oh, yeah. This is not a total wins or total losses on it. It's going to be off of your winning percentage. So each time you're so on the show... So if I go three for three, I'm just not coming back on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He's going to refuse exactly. to take this. <laughs> okay, I'll start on this one again here. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, a guy we just talked about earlier, we talked about the Miami Dolphins. They played well last week. I'm going to bank on them maybe taking a little bit of a step back this week, and specifically Tua Tungavailoa, okay? I am going to take over a half an interception. Ooh. He didn't throw an interception last week. He looked really good, but they're going up against the Baltimore Ravens this week. That is a much more formidable defense than what the Patriots have. Well, the D- Patriots do have a solid defense. I'm not going to say they have a terrible defense, but Ravens, one of the best defenses in the league. They they get a lot of turnovers year after year. They're aggressive-minded in what they do. Also, I think the Ravens get out to a significant lead in this game, which means Tua's going to be throwing the ball a lot. I actually consider taking the under on his passing yards, but because they're going to be losing in this game, I think he's going to be throwing the ball a lot. It leads to one, maybe two interceptions for Tua Tonga Vailoa. I'm taking the over on a half an interception. All right, I like it. Uh, My bet of the week on Thrive Fantasy, I'm going to take Javante Williams, going Broncos here, over 20.5 reception yards. Now, one thing we saw early with the Broncos is that they are going to if it's an indication we saw in Seattle, maybe it was a specific game plan, but it looks like Hackett wants to get these get these running backs the ball out of Russell's hands by the short passing game, right? Use the passing game as an extension of the running game. Last uh, game against the, the Hawks, Javante Williams led the Broncos in catches, targets, and was uh, third in yards. He had 11 catches for 65 yards. That's Javante Williams, okay? So his over-under this week, I think wasn't adjusted enough. I think it should be closer to 2530 and 20.5 right now seems like a good number for the over. So we'll go Javante over 20 and a half receiving yards. I like that bet. Looking at the way Nathaniel Hackett called that game, it does seem like he really wants to get the ball in the hands of their running backs, of their tight ends, mismatches. And even if looking. even if we don't get the volume that we saw last game, a couple screen passes could, could could get us closer there alone. So I think there's a lot of different ways this one covers. Javante over 20.5. All right, good stuff. If you guys want to find these bets or any others out there, make sure you find them on Thrive Fantasy. You can download the app anywhere 
on any app store. You can also go online, thrivefantasy.com. And again, make sure you use our promo code RED. That's R-E-D. You get a match up to $100 on your bet. Boom. Love it. All right. It is time to talk preview of the Houston Texans game coming up in Mile High at 225 on Sunday. Broncos open up as 10-point favorites. You Houston bastards. What do you think of that line this week, You remember that from uh, Seinfeld? You Houston bastards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we thinking of the line? What's the line again? My, uh, minus 10, Broncos. Ooh, uh, it's come down a little bit. It was 10 and a half earlier. Okay. Uh, God, this is... The, I mean, in terms of sports betting, it's probably a stay away. It seems like a pretty accurate number to me. But we do have a bounce back factor for the Broncos. A lot of motivation for Russ and Hackett to come out and really show that this is a great team, that this offense is going... There's nothing that Hackett wants less than to come out and have a 23-20 game against, against uh, Houston. But what I would say here is... Do these teams have the, uh, not motivation, but the talent to do so? And I think the Broncos do. You know, I think there's a lot of pieces on this Broncos offense waiting to go. This defense, like we mentioned, not a great start, right? But those halftime adjustments, I'm not, I, I'm not so sure about this defensive coordinator. What, what's his name? Eloy? Uh, it's a nightmare to yeah, try Yeah, I'm not sure. But, you know, I think we still have a lot to learn about him. But uh, I'm going to go the square route here. I'm going to lean Broncos minus 10. You know, I... I this is square too because you've got a good team in the Broncos perception wise and a bad team in Houston and there's not a bigger money maker for pro betters than oh this team sucks against this good team and then they bet on you know most people bet on the good team because well it's the Broncos against Houston well that's why they're giving them 10 points right uh, but still even so I would probably lean with the squares in this one and go Broncos I one of the things I look for week after week which I, I need to go look at some of the lines this week in the NFL I, I'll, uh, Broncos are an example of this too I'll use the Green Bay Packers as another example a team that everyone thought was pretty good going into the year and they looked bad they just didn't look good in week one and typically you, you see sort of the overreaction in that in that line for the next week I think the Broncos are in a similar situation they lost a game they should have and so sometimes you see zero and one on the on on the score sheet. You know, now all of a sudden they're being viewed differently as a team when there were so many reasons why they should have won that game. If they're one and zero, is this line any different? I don't know. I actually am kind of there with you. I think this is actually a pretty pretty solid line. I do like the Broncos in this to to win pretty big. I think they have something to prove. I think Nathaniel Hackett, as a head coach, has something to prove that there was a reason why he was hired. I, I really look at Russell Wilson coming his first game in Mile High as a Broncos. Uh, starting quarterback, I really, really think he's yeah, going to be good up spot. For this game. Exactly that. That's why I lean Broncos here. It's a really good spot, right? Good spot for the Broncos because they have strange motivation after after that first game. They've got the talent to to show up. It's going to be in Denver and then Houston. I think they put a lot into that first game. Now they tied. Okay, they they ended up tying with with Indy, but all offseason we heard from Houston. Um, they were going to shock their their division. They could win their division, and they had that game circled. Hey, they're still tied for leading their division I without know. a win. I know, but not, not one team in the NFC South won, and two of them played each other. There you go. <laughs> but I just think that they put too much into last week's game in, in terms of actual execution, and then the game prep as well. And when you when you say you know what do you mean execution? Sometimes even these professional players, you know, it goes to overtime. They really, 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 they were doing everything not to lose that game. And that game meant everything for Houston, right? So now that's behind them. Kind of a letdown spot traditionally for uh, teams in this spot and for a team this bad. So now, Jared, I agree. I think, you know, minus 10 at home, I'll lean Denver. And uh, I mean, Denver's certainly going to be the popular survivor pick this week. 
So, are you in a Survivor contest? No, I'm not. And and explain to me. I've I've heard this before, but I've never been a part of one. So, you 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 pick a team to not lose, right? And yeah. you pick one team each week not to lose. You can only pick them once. Mm-hmm. Am I getting that all right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, I'm in a couple different ones this year. I'm in several different NFL contests, but it's funny because most people who do the Survivors, uh, you know, they get all excited about it. They you know maybe team up with people, and then they're out of it by a certain week. And it's because most people who do Survivor pools try and do one thing each week, survive. And I'm actually here to tell you uh, that's not the approach you want in terms of game theory to win it, right? That's why last week, the most popular team taken was the Baltimore Ravens, followed by the Indianapolis Colts, loss, followed by the Cincinnati Bengals, loss, okay? Those are the three most popular teams last week. And actually, Denver was number four, loss. So uh, even though usually taking teams big against the spread is the way to go, you're stuck because you can only take teams once. once. So... Everyone who took, uh, let's say, Baltimore last week, congratulations, got your win, but now you've burned Baltimore, okay? So really, game theory, you want to risk things early so you're there late and have some of those teams. Two of my three entries last week were on the Washington Commanders. Now, I know it was a close game. You know, you could you could argue, well, they should have... Well, they didn't lose, okay? They're still in it. And the contest I'm in started with 17,000 contestants down to 4,900, okay? Wow. So it's, it's last man standing, which is why it's so important, but that's a little note for everyone out there playing Survivor. Ask yourself every week, do you want to survive that week or do you want to win the contest? That will greatly change your picks every week. And what I don't recommend is picking the Broncos this week because everyone's going to pick the Broncos. And even though it could be a guaranteed win, there's a lot of games past this one that I want to take the Broncos in uh, potentially. So just a little you know note out there. If it seems like the obvious survivor play, typically it's not. And last week, three of the four biggest ones ended up losing. So. See, here's what happens to me every year. I get to about November or December and I'm like, God, I got to get... Quit doing so many leaks, too many fantasy leaks, too many pick and leaks, all these different things. You know, you end up almost getting distracted from, you know, watching the games. I like to do the sports betting. I like to do a lot of live betting and stuff. And when you got so many other things going on, it distracts you from. So every year I get to like November, December, I'm like, all right, next year I'm going to rein it in. I'm going to cut it back. And then I'm just this giddy schoolboy <laughs> leading up to the football season. And every person boy. that asks me if they want me, if, if I want to join the league, yeah, I'm in. What is it? What do you do? How do you do this? And all of a sudden, before you know it, I'm in like three or four different pick'em leagues, you know. I'm in four fantasy football leagues, you know. I, I, I you just can't even win. By, by, by the time you get halfway through the season, I've just given up on everything. Well, I recommend point. next year if you if you want the survivor pools are pretty fun. Okay, so. okay, I will try to get into mm-hmm. that. I gotta we- weasel my way out of one or two fantasy football <laughs> leagues first. Because yeah. that's the thing. Once you I've commit to a fantasy to football one. league, I'm in one fantasy. Now league. you're it in. Takes it. You can't be that guy time. to back out of a league. But, but also as a as a someone who bets professionally, I, I it's it's too much time even. In the league I'm in now, the fantasy football league I'm in now, which I'm commissioner of, it's been running for for like 12, 13, which, 14 let's years. Let's put this out for the audience. Connor and I have talked a lot about he and I being in a league together. We're in Tyler Walgie's yeah, league, yeah, so that, that's, that, this that's is the league. league that we're in. But that's the only league I can do. It's just not worth it monetarily. I spend too much time setting the lineup and, and, and looking all this stuff up. It's like, I'm not making enough money on this stuff. And so, yeah, I'm down to one fantasy league, and that's about it for me. Smart man, smart yeah. man. Okay, back to the Houston Texans. You talked about their performance last week. They tied 20 to 20 after being up going into the fourth quarter 20 to 3. Yeah. And in my mind that kind of tells you everything you need to know and you really touched on it Tyler. This came, team came out and threw everything at Indianapolis. They did everything they could to win this game and about mid third quarter they hit their wall. And then after that they they had nothing left. I I I really think that Texans are a better team than what most people probably thought going into the season. 
But they're not a good team. They're not a team that, especially coming into Denver, should have a chance to win. I'm not going to go as far as I went last week Hmm. to say that there is no possibility, no way that they can win. But this is one for the Broncos, especially losing last week. You have to win. And I don't want to ever say this early on a non-division game. This is a must-win game. But, boy, you lose this game. You are in a really, really bad spot with a tough remainder of your schedule coming through, a tough division. So this is about as must-win as it gets for the Broncos in a game that if you just play your game and you cut out the mistakes from last week, you should steamroll through this game. Agree or disagree? I mean, disagree that they're just going to steamroll and it's going to be easy. I mean, the the Houston Texans are still an NFL team with NFL talent. You sound like Connor. I mean, I just don't want to overdo it here and and be so hyperbolic because... I'm going to keep doing it every week until they finally just dominate a team, and then I'll look so genius <laughs> well, at that, that point. Well, that may be this week because they are 10-point <laughs> favorites, but I, just, I, I think that Houston's a little bit better than people thought, and, you know, teams are never as bad as we think, and teams are never as good as we think, and I think in Denver, the sentiment is uh, Broncos still potential Super Bowl contender, AFC contender, and everyone just looks at Houston, and it doesn't matter whether you started following the NFL recently or you've been following forever. It's like most NFL fans see Houston and think automatic – uh, loss and cover for the Broncos, no matter what the spread is. You know, it could be 12 and people would take the Broncos. The spread could be 14 and people could take the Broncos. So uh, I want to be careful with the Broncos are going to just run away and destroy them and embarrass them. But if there was one game where the Broncos do have, again, added motivation, a Texans team that may be a little propped from that draw or tie, whatever you call it. I call it a draw because I watch draw. soccer a lot. Yeah, you, you suck. <laughs> uh, football, football. Football, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think Broncos still cover, but in terms of routing them, I don't think it's going to be 30-0 to zero or anything like that. What concerns you most about the Texans? Their optimism. I mean, again, we, we, before you know you're this bad, and we say this more in college than, than, than the pros, but it's still true in the NFL. Before you know you're a bad team, you're going to give max effort. You're going to think you have a chance. And in Texans' locker room, you know, one thing I like to do is look at local newspapers, local outlets, what they're saying. And the Texans are all positive right now. You know, they just uh, tied, which feels like they beat locally, the best team in their division, who was overwhelmingly the favorite to win it. And so now there's a lot of positivity. You know, Davis Mills is talking about, we're not done. We're going to go and try and win the division. Like, we're here to stay. And so that that is what concerns me, is the fact that they're so optimistic and they're thinking they're, they're going to come in here and potentially uh, surprise and upset the Broncos. So I'm not super worried about the coaching staff. Don't have a lot of uh, faith in them. Not super worried about Davis Mills or any running back or defender. It's just a general sense of if they think they're a legit team, they may come out swinging and you know, maybe the, maybe the coaching staff does have some tricks up their sleeve and want to come out and get this win. I mean, can you imagine the feeling in Houston if they're two games in no losses with a win on the road at Denver. So they're going to be going max effort here all out. And that means something. You know, I, I think that we shouldn't just discount Houston for being this little throwaway team. We're going to have to win this game. You know, they're not going to give it to us. So there's one player for me on, to the Broncos. On, on the Texans that does scare me because I think he is wild, wildly underrated around anywhere around the country, and that's Davis Mills, the quarterback. I think this is a solid, solid quarterback. In fact, I think he's a guy, he left as, a, as I think, a redshirt junior or whatever he was. He may have left as a senior, but he had the COVID year. He could have gone back. He left Stanford and should have gone back because he's a guy that I think, when you look at this last year's quarterback draft class, may have gone in the first round. I mean, he, he would have crept up into that, especially if he put up a good season uh, last year had he stayed in college. I really think he jumped 
jumped out at a bad time in a good draft class that pushed him down, I think he would have gotten a lot more hype and been talked about a lot more. He's a very good quarterback. You and I, CU Buffs fans, we watched him play for a couple years at Stanford. He's a solid, well-rounded quarterback, and he can sling the ball around. I mean, he put up some decent numbers last week. He can absolutely light it up if you give him a chance to. So I think the onus is on the Broncos' defense to shut down play like you did in the second half. Yeah. Do not give them anything. If you can keep this offense in check, Russ is going to cook. I think that this this game gets going and the Broncos get going in this game. Am I remembering uh, – I would watch a lot of NFL this weekend. Um, did the Broncos almost suffer a block punt? Am I correct in that? You know, I'm not 100% on that. I, I'm pretty sure they did, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the Broncos did suffer a block punt, and that's one thing that you also have to be aware of is special teams, you big, know, the big, intangible. Big swing plays, right? Uh, Houston going forward on fourth down, you know, the, the, the potential fake punts, things like this. I think we're going to see Houston ring the washcloth, so to speak, and leave everything here. So, again, I just want to be careful because so many people say, ah, it's Houston, ah, it's Denver, we should easily get this. You're going to have a hungry, hungry team, and I just think that, the reason why I am on Denver is because we're going to be able to match that because Denver's pissed off as well. So don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. All right. Score predictions. I'm going to go with the Broncos. Winning big in this one. The The line's 10 points. The over-under's at 46. Taking the Broncos on the line, on the over. I like the Broncos. 31-17 to 17 in this game. I'm very close. I got, thir- I got 31-20. And I think they barely cover. Uh, lean with the over as well. And you know what? I could see sort of... Uh, maybe a Texan backdoor attempt, you know, and for those who don't know in sports, but in the backdoor means when the underdog covers like last drive, right? And so if, if the Broncos were up by, let's say, uh, uh, 16 points and then the Texans get a touchdown at the very end of the game to make it like a nine point victory, you know, maybe that could be a, a, a factor of avoiding this in terms of the spread. But I called the Broncos to cover the spread barely. I'm leaning with them. I'll go 31-20 in uh, first home game of the of the career for Russ. I think it's going to be a win. Uh, it's going to be fun. I wish I could go to this game. Uh, so I actually meant to open the show with this. And I am... Uh, it's, I'm, I'm, it's, I wish... See, and I <laughs> wish I had Connor Holescamp here. You're not a parent. I'm not a parent. I need a parent to tell me that I'm not crazy, okay? I can't go to this game. You want to know why? Why? Because I have to go to Molly's birthday party. Who's Molly? Molly is turning nine. (laughs) Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Is there no etiquette in this world? You don't put your child's birthday party, A, on a football Sunday. B, this was just scheduled like three weeks ago. You had the schedule out, man. I don't don't think it's Molly's fault or Molly's parents' fault. It's, It's who's making you go? Yeah, this is true. Mm, this is true. Is it your wife? Should I stand up is to he, her? Should I stand up to her <laughs> well, on this one? No, that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. That's probably a no, but I, I think, you know, maybe I would be looking for the get but out of jail free card. But you want to know the car. worst part? Guess what time the party is? What? Two to four. That's two horrible. to four on Sunday. Dude, Middle of the game. These can't be football people. No, 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 they're not. They are originally from Ohio too, so they don't even really care about the Broncos at all, you know. So, but man, I uh, mean, just some general etiquette. I don't, I don't uh, condone that. Yeah, I mean, don't come on, support man. that at all. I know. So now I'm gonna be that guy that's the jerk at the child's birthday party, yeah. like. 
So, like, can we get the game on no, in here? No, you, you can't be the only one thinking that. No, Otherwise, I, you're surrounded by dweebs. Yeah, I'm thinking all the husbands, all of the guys around yeah, are yeah. gonna are gonna you know make make their way into the living room to For watch sure. the football. Yeah, I think you'll be able to catch the game. <laughs> all right, we're gonna leave on this note, a positive note here. Uh, a couple of Broncos recently have rejoined the Broncos to retire with the team. The most recent this past weekend, our man Emmanuel Sanders. Yes. Resigns a one-day contract to retire with the Broncos, and you know, good for good for him, man. One of the most fun tenures with the Broncos. When you look at his time here, he signed, I think, year two with Peyton Manning. Here, he left just after the Super Bowl. I think the year or two after the Super Bowl, super productive. Definitely, definitely made the right choice coming to the Broncos. If you remember when he signed with the Broncos, he had agreed verbally to terms with the Chiefs. Until mm-hmm. he found out there was interest from the Broncos, they, they would match the deal. He walks out of the facility. He actually talked about this. There's a, there's a clip. You could probably find it on YouTube. He talked about it. I think it was on Altitude Radio. I could be wrong on that, but he, he joined a radio show and talked about that a little bit, about how he was in Kansas City Chiefs facility. Andy Reid thought he was a done deal. He left the room. He gets a call from his agents that the Broncos want to sign him, uh, and it. he left. And Andy Reid tried to chase him down as he's leaving the facility to try to sell him on, on joining with the Chiefs. He obviously joined the Broncos, really, really made Emmanuel Sanders' career. So I'm going to leave with this question, Tyler. Does Emmanuel Sanders belong in the Broncos' ring of fame? Uh I'm going to say no, just because of the precedent the Broncos have set. I love Manuel Sanders. I love what he did for the team, but Ed McCaffrey's not in the ring of fame. I mean, players like... That's a joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, players like Al Wilson, who won, what, five, or who was uh, uh, 2005 first-team All-Pro. First-team All-Pro, five Pro Bowls with the Broncos, so important to them, not on there. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on. It even goes back to, like, Steve Watson uh, from, from the 80s. So I just think the Broncos have set a precedent that... You've got to be like next level elite, despite uh, Emmanuel being there for a lot of the best times, the Super Bowl. And and that is, if you say yes, he should be in the ring of fame, there's no right or wrong answer. I totally respect that. But what that means is you probably put more emphasis on Super Bowl victories and these monumental uh, franchise defining moments, which if you're there and you get rewarded for it and you help the Broncos do it, maybe you do get put in the ring of fame. But uh, I think that if, if Ed McCaffrey's not in, it's, it's tough for me to put in... Uh, Manu Sanders. See, I think this is different than talking about uh, just a guy that was on that Super Bowl 50 team. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders was one of the top, most important players sure. on that team on the 2000 and uh, I think actually it was 14 that he joined. But it I was, mean, yeah. Three or four straight years over a thousand yards. I mean, this was the best offense in the league, one of the best teams in the league, and he was a big part of that. He was a big part of the reason that they won that Super Bowl. I absolutely think he belongs. And you're right, though, Tyler. After several of those other guys get in, down the road, Emmanuel Sanders belongs in the ring of fame. All right, guys. Fun show for you this week. A little bit different. Next week, we'll have the full team back oh, in they'll here. Be back. Uh, I'm sure that we'll get a lot of criticism from Connor and Nick on our takes this week. So I'll give them a few minutes. Anybody that wants to chime in <laughs> can get that. But make sure you guys tune in each and every week. We'll be breaking down next week what happens in this weekend's game. Also, find us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. Tyler. Thanks for filling in today. Hey, anytime, I, I man. I can't do the solo show. You got I, it. I, I'm not as good as you at this. So. Yeah, I'll come back soon. For all, all our listeners out there, thanks for tuning in, and see you next week on Red Rock Sports. Red Rock Sports.